You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg E Hill, the Culture Change Agent. And I know what you're thinking. It's been a few weeks. It's been a month. I haven't been on the air. I promised y'all would be on the air. And I let a few of y'all down. I didn't let everybody down. I know some of you are still catching up. Somebody emailed me the other day and said, yo, I'm your biggest fan, man. I said, what episode you on? I'm episode 18. I said, yay! But I know my episodes are kind of long. So I, I, I gave, let's think about it like this. I gave y'all an opportunity to catch up. <laughs> but I apologize. I've been out for so long. I really just wanted to take the opportunity because around early to February, to get real personal, I hit a block mentally, hit a block mentally, and I basically ran out of gas. And the reason why is because for a couple months, I stopped reading and I stopped really listening to a lot of rich content that could take me to the next level personally, spiritually, emotionally. I stopped listening and reading. And what happened was when you stop doing those things, some of your some of your 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 mojo, your energy gets lost. And I said, man, I need to go in the dark. And when I go in the dark personally, what that means is I take some time off and I said, got on Amazon, bought like 11 books. And I said, I'm going to read a book for two books a week. I'm going to listen to at least an hour or two hours of content a day. That's other people's podcasts. That's sermons. That's good, nourishing content for my soul and spirit to get back where I need to be. Because I realized to be, to be real again. In 2016, it was a phenomenal year for me. I I published my second book, did a lot of speaking engagements, the brand rose. We got surpassed over 100,000 downloads. It was a great year. But in my head, I said, man, we didn't fail big enough. I didn't fail big enough. I didn't take any big risks. I stayed in the zone. I said what worked, and I kept doing that. But this year, I want to put myself out there and have some big failures over there. So what? If I mess up some things... It is what it is, but I wanted some big things to happen, but I, th- what what hurt me was I wasn't in the space and big ideas weren't coming. Small ideas weren't coming. New ideas were not coming into me, and I was like, what is going on? I said, let me go in the dark real quick. Let me, let me get my mind wrapped around some positive stuff, reading some books, some biographies, some self-helps, a mix of a lot of different things, and let's see what's going on. Let me listen to some great people out there like Stephen Furtick, my preacher at home in Durham, Orlando Thomas, shout out Southside Church of Christ. And let me listen to some good content as well. Shout out to my Lake Till podcast, Brenda Bouchard's podcast. Also, shout out to Side Hustle Pro podcast. 
let me get some great E.T. Hip Hop Preacher. You already know. Shout out to some other people. And let me just get some great content in me. And voila, we back in the game. Today's episode is a great episode. It's shorter than usual. You know, I usually be rapping for like two hours, hour and a half. Well, it's shorter than usual, but it's definitely, definitely a value add. And I, I, I guarantee you're going to like our, our uh, guest accent. But thank y'all for continuing to download the show, share friends, and continue to email me, reach out. I know I've been in the dark. I really haven't been responding, but we back now. We got 10 episodes to go until we reach that finish line of season three. And season four, I guarantee I got some crazy, crazy stuff for you on this podcast, crazy stuff for you on a new website. I'm revealing crazy stuff on you on a new, I can't even share it. But just know we was working in the dark. So I challenge any of you if you're having a creative block right now. If you're not, it just if you're not if you don't, if you just don't feel crisp. If you feel like you started 2017 with a vision, but you don't know what steps you need to take to get the vision. You don't know who need to be in your team to get the vision. You just miss some pieces. Take a couple days, a week, maybe even a month to work in the dark. Read those books you've been putting aside. Listen to those podcasts you say I'm gonna listen to another day. Have that coffee, that conversation with a friend that you really knew you should have talked to in 2016, you haven't talked to yet. Just take some time and be easy on yourself too. Everything is not going to happen overnight. Ideally, I would love to start the first three months of the year on fire, blazing it, taking things to the next level. But honestly, I mean, it didn't start off that way. But I'll use that whole month, a month of time to read, to pray, to keep good people in my circles, to seek advice, to listen to stuff. And now I believe I'm ready to have a crazy back-breaking middle of the year. All right? So without further ado, I'm going to jump into the episode. Thank you all for continuing to support the podcast. If, if you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave a comment, too, on SoundCloud. A lot of y'all listen to the podcast. If you ever have any questions, want to give any feedback, talk about me, I respond on SoundCloud. Leave a comment there. Before I get into the second episode, I did want to make real quick, I want to shout out a couple books that I'm reading just in case you want to know what I'm reading. A book for all my public speakers out there is Confessions of a Public Speaker by Scott Birkin. Great, funny book, real actionable, but really share stories. I got a lot out of that. Also, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Dr. Carol Dweck. Great book. I, I I jumped into it because, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm trying to learn some more stuff about the growth mindset. But it's teaching me a lot about communication, relationships, all that good stuff. Another book, Stop Talking, Start Communicating by Geoffrey Tumlin. Great book about communication and how to navigate this world of making your words count. Y'all know as a podcaster, sometimes I get the rambling, sometimes I get the storytelling. All my words don't count. I'm trying to get better at it. So I've been intentional about getting communication books so I could take my communication to the next level, my speaking to the next level, my craft to that next level. And books like this help me just think through my conversations, think through my words, my sentence structure, how my words may come off to people. And it's been a great help. Also, another one is Speak Like Churchill, Stand Like Lincoln, 21 Powerful Secrets of History's Greatest Speakers by James Toombs. Another amazing practical book. Every strategy is not meant for every speaker, but a lot of the strategies like the power pause, like leading with quotes and a lot of stuff. You say, oh, man, that's basic. 
when you read how these speakers, the best speakers, some of the best speakers of the 21st century utilize these tools, you'll be like, wow, I didn't know. So I took a lot of stuff out of that. Also, I'm reading The Warmth of Other Suns, the epic story of America's Great Migration. I ain't gonna lie, when I bought this book, I thought it was like 200 pages. Turns out it's like 500 plus pages with this whole biography boy, but it's by Isabel Wilkerson. It's a great book about the Great Migration. Because I like, I love self-help, I love biographies, but I also like fiction books and non-fiction books where I can just see a narrative, see a story, and then see more history. Because, I mean, a lot of times the history predicts the future, and I, it allows me just dig deeply about certain things. Also, last but not least, I got Million Dollar Consulting, The Professional's Guide to Growing a Practice by Alan Wise. Amazing, tactical, strategic book about business, building consulting businesses, and just taking your brand, if you're just speaking or if you want to get into it, seeing logical frameworks that other people are using to take their business to another level. And I, I love that book. So that's a little recap, short recap on the books I'm reading. I'm probably going to put some some type of book review on my website, greggyhill.com, up there. But I just want to be open and sharing with y'all what I'm reading right now. So without further ado, let's jump into the podcast. Y'all already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. I got a show for you today. I am excited because today's featured guest, not only is she our first truly international guest, which I mean that she's not, she doesn't live in the United States, but also she has the greatest accent in the world. I'm talking about the accent that I wish to copy still and one day call my own. Like this is like when I was, I'm not going to go into the story why I love this accent so much, but let me read a little bit about her bio and then we're going to jump right into it. So she was born and raised in East London and she's an avid foodie and travel enthusiast. She has lived in a variety of countries, including the United States, Mexico, and France. And she's credited these life experiences as a catalyst to the creation of her business. And in 2013, after spending an excessive amount of money at Lola's Cupcakes with no background in baking, but she had an idea in her mind, she learned how to bake. To reduce the cost, but also to increase her cupcake consumption. That's funny. I'm going to get into that when we, when we start the podcast interview. And after realizing she was good at it, aka bacon, the notion of creating a business which incorporated her three loves, which are culture, travel, and cupcakes, was born soon after. And the world's first culture-inspired cupcakes hit the town. And in 2016, she decided to go one step further with her global flavors and actually go global. So her munching mission was to set a goal to take her followers on a journey down memory lane by making a quick detour to America. The first place that truly inspired her resulted in a creation of cupcakes, which pay homage to each country she visited. She has a great backstory and a great purpose to these cupcakes. So excited about this interview guest. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Rebecca Jones, CEO of Miss Munchin's Cupcakes to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hi. I love right. that. That yeah. was absolutely amazing. All Thanks right. for the celebrity and I can't stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm excited to be here. So thank you so much for, for having me. Like it's really and truly it's such an honor. <laughs> so as customary, let's jump right in and I always start the show off with a quote. So Miss Jones, Miss Munchen, <laughs> what do you want me to refer to you as in this interview? You know, I'm actually like 
it's so funny because I am Miss Munchin. Like, she's a part of me. Uh-huh. She's the one that gets to travel and stuff like that. But I'm also very much Rebecca, the, the avid foodie um, and travel enthusiast. So um, I think for the sake of our listeners, we can go for Rebecca on this occasion. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. Uh, take us to a quote, a favorite quote, and give us a story about how you apply that quote to your everyday life. Absolutely. So my favorite quote is... It's okay to be afraid, but do it anyway. And that quote came from my my coach and mentor, Danny Rivers Mitchell. She's a founder of Black Girls Travel Too. Mm-hmm. And um, she told me that quote during a time where I was really sort of up and down. I had started my munching mission in 2016, which I'll elaborate a little bit more on later on. And I was at a point where I was literally traveling on my using my annual leave from work and then returning back to work. So I was in full-time work at that time. And it was just weighing on me that I didn't have enough time to, you know, put out my content, bake these new flavors based on what I had experienced in the country I'd just come from. So I really needed something to keep me going because I was afraid that I was going to crash, which I actually did at at one point. I kind of burnt burnt out. Um, But I didn't want to stop. I needed something to keep me going. And when she gave me that quote, I live by it now when I feel afraid or if I feel like giving up I just think to myself look it's okay to be afraid nobody's saying that you can't be afraid but just keep going do it anyway because that's where you'll see the results Mm. um yeah so when's the last time you looked at that quote recently and then said okay let's lock back in because I know when you first started like you said you were nervous and I know you you went through a lot to start Miss Munchins and we'll jump into that in the backstory but what recently was a time you had said let me let me open up my quote book let me look through my iphone the notes page and let me look at this quote because i really need this right now i think recently when gosh there's so many times to be honest but i guess doing i know it sounds really weird but redoing my website (laughs) (laughs) I've, i've had to um, I used to have an external uh, company that used to do my website for me, but I had to learn how to do certain things myself this time around Amen. with re- revamping my website. So I'm not really very tech savvy. So I know it sounds really silly because you probably think, well, surely it would be traveling, you know, or something like that. But actually redoing my website and learning about techie stuff, that was actually very scary for me. Mm. That's that's real because uh, people say, Greg, you wrote a book, you're an author. But to, I, I, I tell people all the time, I have horrible grammar. Like, I'm the guy that spells spells a lot, A-L-L-O-T. And people are like, yo, Greg, it's a lot. What are you doing? Like, you should get better. I'm like, yo, I don't care about grammar. That's what you got editors for. And I, I just share stories. However, me even trying to look, and I, I bought, or I'm buying a grammar book. I, I'm probably not going to look at it. But me even, that's a fear of mine. Even I don't know why it's a fear of mine. I don't know why I brought that up. But I I, I, I get where you're coming from with not being a techie, but at least venturing out there. And your website looks great, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I had a little help because, you know, if you can't do it by yourself, then Mm -hmm. you should always, uh, you know, ask someone else to help you. So I've had a little help now. But yes, initially, I left it for a while because I was like, I can't do this by myself. (laughs) (laughs) So from a friend, this has been really helpful. Amen. Well, thank you for not taking all that credit. So if your friend ever listened to this podcast, like, hold up. I know I helped her on this. They'll be listening. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, let's jump into before Miss Munchen's Cupcake, the mission, traveling the country. Because I'm all like, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, she makes cupcakes. She travels the world for like two months in the United States just now. Does she make cupcakes every day? What does she do when she's there? I have so many questions. My mind is all over the place. But before we get there to that mission and that inspiration behind it, let's talk about Rebecca Jones before the cupcake, before working, growing up. What was your experience like? Who are you? Okay. So first and foremost, I am a foodie. I can eat. I love food. (laughs) Many people look at me and they're like, really? Like, where does it go? Well, now they're starting to see where it's going. Oh, man. Before, <laughs> before I was really fortunate. Um, and yeah, I'm a foodie. I love food from all over the world. And particularly, I became more of a foodie during my teens, where I was exposed to food from different nationalities because I was mixing more with different nationalities. Um, having grown up in London, I'm very fortunate that I'm always surrounded by people from all over the world Mm -hmm. so it was something that wasn't really new to me having culture but in terms of trying other cultural dishes um that was pretty new so during my teens I had a really big fascination with Indian food um and I just loved it everything about Indian food I was just obsessed so I think that's the most important thing to know about me um Rebecca Jones as well it feels weird talking about myself in third person (laughs) I'm I love languages I absolutely love languages and I'm it's funny because growing up I was really bad at languages um like I mean seriously bad and when I started traveling again that's where I got to really you know use my language skills and I feel that now I I can't believe that there was a time when I wasn't good at languages because now I can speak Spanish I can speak French and I have a very good understanding of Italian and Portuguese um, so that's me. And the last thing I think is that I'm a traveler. I love to travel. I'm so curious to discover the world. And it was because of America that I got the opportunity to really travel. So America does have a very special place in my heart and where possible, I will always reference back to America because I really feel that this country has given me a lot to be proud of. So how did, uh, I have a couple questions, but how did America in in particular give you the opportunity to travel? Absolutely. No worries. Well, um, when I was 20 years old, I had the opportunity to study abroad, um, during my, what was my second year of university. And, um, that opportunity came about, um, kind of randomly because my course at the time was changing. So I had two options. I could either study abroad for a year in any country of my choice or I could progress into what would be my final year and graduate early. And I was like, I'm not ready to graduate. So I was like, I'll go abroad. <laughs> so people would be like, that's not really a very informed decision. But I figured, like, what could what could happen? You know, mm-hmm. me going abroad could be interesting. And um, I love America. I've always, it's always been in my head, like, you know, the land of opportunities and dreams. So when I had the opportunity to pick a country it was the first place. So being able to travel abroad, um, one of the things that was amazing about coming to the US was I thought that me coming to America and studying at the University of Oklahoma, OU, I'm a Sooner, if anyone's out there. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I thought that I was going to be living with American people. So I had this big notion of, you know, living in the dorms with the American students. But actually, what happened was when I arrived, I was told I was living in the international accommodation. <laughs> I was crying. I was so upset. I was being such a princess. 
I was like, I'm not living with international students. I'm from London. <laughs> I'm <laughs> international students. But not knowing that, that would have been the biggest blessing that leads to where I am today. So that's a sort of short story. Ooh, are you gonna get it at the end of the podcast, or because I mean, you you got time. So what, like, why was that? If you could share, why was that such a blessing? Because now you got Absolutely. us on the edge, and you are gonna take us off the edge. Like we, we might as well jump off the cliff. Well, sit your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, if you randomly hear me doing an American accent, it's only because I really love Americans. So it's not to 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 do anything but pay homage. And if it's really bad, I apologize. I'm working on it. <laughs> Also, side note, I heard what you just said. Uh, I've got to replay that. That was funny. So sit your ass. I, that was funny. That was funny. I'm, I'm going to play that back. If, if you're listening, go back 25 seconds because that was hilarious. But I'm going to let you continue going. So um, so basically, why, why it's such a blessing is because um, I happen to live in the international accommodations, which uh, basically meant that part of campus was from for students for, from all over the world. So I was living with students from Korea. Upstairs from me, I had someone from Italy, Spain, France. Across from me, we had people from uh, Bolivia, Chile, um, you name it. We had people from all over the world. And what was so amazing about that experience was if I had lived with American students, although that would have been fantastic, my love for culture and really and truly my opportunity to travel wouldn't have been there because from knowing those different people from all over who I lived with on a daily basis, I formed new connections, new relationships. I learned about culture, their food, the way they um, carry themselves. And just by being in that environment, I just was immersed into so many different cultures at one time that it ignited this hunger for me to know more. I, I already was into, as I mentioned before, different cultural foods, but now I was actually into culture. So when I, you know, finished my study in my study year abroad, my exchange year, I had I had connections all over the world. So this meant that now I had friends that were like, "Hey, Becca, whenever you're ready, come visit us." Mm-hmm. And I had gone to I'd gone to France, Italy, the Netherlands, um, and these were just based on you know friendships that I had made with people from these different countries. So that was a blessing in itself. And again having that exposure, having those new connections meant that I knew people in different places now and I could travel and learn more. So I was co- constantly hungry now, not just as a foodie, but as, you know, as a travel enthusiast, as a, as a cultural, a culture lover. So, so that's where it came from really. Oh man, that's phenomenal. And also I would be remiss if I didn't ask, cause this is the minority trailblazer podcast with the emphasis on minority, but how does it feel like, cause I, I I've never, been to London and I don't know how it feels like well how does it feel being like black in London like how was it growing up or what it was the climate there because I know everybody has their own perspective and experiences but I just want to get your your take on that absolutely well first of all there's a lot of us in London (laughs) (laughs) and it's quite funny because when I came to the U.S. being in Oklahoma people used to ask me and they were like so now again apologize for my accent but they're like you got any black people in London? <laughs> like, we're everywhere. So yes, there's a big community of people from all over. Um, where I live, we have a big community of, of um, Caribbeans, people from Africa, you name it, we're everywhere. So being in London anyway is so diverse. I never really thought about, like I always knew I was black, but what I mean is I never really saw myself as anything different. Mm-hmm. However, when I lived in Mexico, then I really realized 
I'm from a different culture. And also when I traveled to, to different places um, where there wasn't a big uh, community of, of black people, then of course, again, these were situations where I really felt that, okay, I'm, I'm definitely from a different background now. Um, but nevertheless, one thing I, I have to say is that um, I've always been very, I think one thing that Mexico did is it made me a bit more stronger in terms of if I go to a country where I'm really a minority, it made me stronger in terms of being able to understand that people are just curious. Also, some people, they may react to you in a certain way due to lack of exposure or even lack, lack of knowledge. And if you go there with a mindset of, you know what, I'm going to take everything on board and un and understand where they could be coming from, then you don't take too many things personal. Um, in terms of the weather in London, going back to London now, London weather is pretty bad in the, in the respects that it rains quite a lot, it changes quite a lot, and the, un the unpredictableness of it can sometimes be a bit frustrating. Um, so that's the only thing about London. Apart from that, it is an amazing place to travel, to taste food from all over the world, um, and really get to know culture. If you've never, if you've never been abroad and you want to travel somewhere, I'd really say come to London because the whole world is in London. So, so yeah. Wow. And I know you probably mess people all up. If you say if you're in Mexico or United States, you look black and then you start talking, they're like, what? You got this, this the British accent. And they're like, they're just all confused. That would mess me up too. Hey, what up? What up, yo? Hello. I'm like, I, I, I did a horrible accent. See, I'm, I'm working on it, but, uh, <laughs> No, don't worry. Mexico was funny because people used to say to me, they used to say to me, de donde eres? Like, where are you from? And I'll say, oh, you know, like, soy de Londres. And I was they're like, no, but really, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from London. And I was like, ah, I get what they're asking me. <laughs> so then I would say to them in Spanish, you know, I'd say like, I was born in London, and but my parents were born in the Caribbean. And, you know, I used to give them the same phrase. I used to say, you know, yo nací en Londres, pero mis padres son de Caribe. Which means like exactly what I said. And then I said that, and that's why I'm this color. And then with that response, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you for you. The first person to ever use Spanish on a minority trailblazer podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, then you're breaking all sorts of new ground today. So, <laughs> but to, to, to catch us up and start getting to the, the theme and the course of who you are today and what you do now, I did want to ask before the, the cupcake mission came into, to, into your rear view, what did you do? Like, what did you go to school to study for? Right. Okay. I actually went to study psychology with English language and communication. Mm -hmm. um, I always thought I was going to be like an event manager. That was the plan. Mm -hmm. That was it. Literally. <laughs> so the fact that now I'm doing this, this is so far fetched from what I thought I would be doing. Wow. And then growing up as a, as a kid, you, you wanted to be an event manager too, or were your dreams a little bit more colorful? They were definitely colorful. Um, as a child, I was very um creative I, I'm still I still very much am creative I used to draw a lot so at one point I thought I was going to be an artist I did drama at one point I thought I was going to be an, an actress another point I used to do hair um that was kind of like my side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> you know everyone has every girl hustle. does hair even in London <laughs> the black girls do hair <laughs> we're doing it everywhere so yeah I thought I was going to be a hairdresser so um and then obviously going to university I thought I was going to be a psychologist um, to reduce stress management. And I guess I kind of am doing that with cupcakes. I mean, they do generally make people less stressed <laughs> when you have a cupcake. 
but um yeah I it was definitely not um to be like an entrepreneur or a baker or a traveler that was never really in the picture mm-hmm. So now to bring us full circle, and I guess we transitioning from our first transition. I didn't even get to our transitions in the show, but and on this show, we usually do our first round, which is our backstory, just kind of paint the picture, get some context of the guests that we have on the show. Second round is usually around present day, what they do, how their business operates and all that good stuff. And then the last round is the future round, kind of the future where they see themselves going in the business. And then we also have the culture change round, which I have to five rapid fire questions and receive five rapid fire answers. So as we get to the present day round, tell us how and where this whole cupcake vision mission came from in the soul core of it all. Okay, absolutely. So back in, so after, as I've told you, I, I went to the US, did my study abroad, met amazing people. Then I came back to the UK, finished my degree and headed to Mexico. And that was because, as I told you, I was learning language languages. So I was learning Spanish in, in the US. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to a Spanish speaking country. So I went to Mexico, lived with a Mexican family, had an amazing time came back to the UK and said, you know what? I want to learn another language. I was hungry now. So then I decided a year later to move to France, lived there for a year. And whilst I was in in France, I tasted a cupcake. Really wasn't that good. Um, I think the US has spoiled me when it comes to cupcakes because that was the first place that I tried them. Um, So I came back home from France now after living there for a year. And I was just I just really wanted to eat cupcakes during that time. That was um, late 2012, early 2013. I was just buying cupcakes all the time for my, my favorite bakery, uh, cupcake bakery, which was called Lola's Cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And it was obsessive. Like I would be coming home from work and instead of going directly home, I would take a detour and go into, uh, we have this, this uh, shop called Topshop and inside of Topshop, which is like a fashion brand. A lot of people back home know it. I think you guys even have it in the States now. Oh, hey, okay. we got it in New York. And why we got that? Yeah, right. So you guys know Topshop. So I had a Lola's kiosk in there. And so I used to basically just go there, not to shop for anything other than cupcakes. And it was getting like a lot. And I would even sometimes buy cupcakes and, you know, buy a couple more and say, oh, I'm going to give it to someone else. But really, I do like, I just basically really wanted to eat them all. <laughs> and I just said to myself, this is because cupcakes are pretty expensive if you're buying them on a regular basis. Heck yeah, it's like three, four dollars a pot. Is it five, six? It's, 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 it's not a, it's not a, uh, a cheap habit. Right, right, exactly. So I said to myself, this is crazy. And um, during the time, the lead up to my best friend's birthday, a friend of ours um, who actually does just baking as well, um, I, she had actually made cupcakes on the actual day of my best friend's birthday and they were so good. I was like, can you please make me some? She was like, sure. She checked in with me, I think about a week later or so. And she was like, Hey, would you still like the cupcakes? And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm thanks, but I'm, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. And, um, I said that because I thought to myself, you know what? Hang on. This is a lot. I'm spending a lot of money on cupcakes why don't I just learn how to make them? Like, surely it can't be that hard. So the first time I um, made a cupcake, they were just like really bad. We have these things in the UK called scones. They're kind of like hard. And that's how my cupcakes came out, like a scone. A scone. Oh my God. That's like a rock. Right. (laughs) So they were really bad. And my whole purpose of making the cupcakes was just simply to save money 
and just eat more cupcakes. That was my analogy. It wasn't anything more than that. And, uh, you know, I said to myself, okay, this first time making cupcakes, it's a little rocky. Let's keep trying. <laughs> and so I just kept, just basically kept baking them, kept baking them. And um, I felt that I was pretty good. And I said to myself, okay, this was now um, coming up to 2014. I said, okay, I'm going to do something different. I want to start a business. Um, during that time, 2014, people were starting to, you know, be more entrepreneurial back home in the UK. So I said, okay, well, I want to have a cupcake business. And at the time, I just knew that I wanted to have a cupcake business and I wanted it to be a little different than the cupcake companies I had heard of. So I said to myself, okay, what do I like doing? And I knew I loved traveling. Um, I knew I love food, I'm such a foodie. And of course I love cupcakes, but I said to myself, okay, is there anything else that I love? And I knew I love culture. So I thought, what about if I add all those elements together? And so I came up with the notion of culture inspired cupcakes. Mm. Now at this point, my business didn't really have a, a meaning per se. It was simply about me sh showcasing flavors from, you know, food that I had tasted around the world, cultures I had visited. That was a pure essence of it. But it wasn't actually until 2015 where I really discovered what my purpose was and why I'm making these cupcakes inspired by different cultures. And it was uh, during a time which was a little bit difficult for me in 2015. And um, I spoke with a friend um, called Lionel and he gave me this analogy about McDonald's. Maybe you've heard it as well, Greg. He asked me, what do McDonald's sell? Now, I'm going to ask you. Somebody asked me, and I really didn't know, but maybe you know. Mm -hmm. So what do McDonald's really sell, Greg? Oh, they sell smiles. It's a happiness, right? Right. Well, that's what I would have thought. Or burgers, <laughs> because I'm a foodie and I call food. Yeah, good fries. <laughs> or Happy Meals, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But actually, I came to discover that McDonald's actually sell, like, real estate. Like, that's really where they make money. That's why they pop up everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's really where they make their money from, like, the rent that they get. You Shoot, know. I was thinking too deep. I tried to get deep with it. I had real estate in my head, but I said, man, she might be trying to go the deep route. So let me say something deep, like smiles and all this other stuff. Dang. All right, cool. My but bad. that's a pretty good answer, considering I just said burgers and fries. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're, on the, you're on the wavelength. And <laughs> when he gave me that analogy, it allowed me to think really deeper about what is it that I'm trying to do with this cupcake company. And it was shortly after that I realized, oh, my gosh, I want to connect the world. I really want to I really want to promote unity with what I'm doing. And I want it to be more than just a cupcake. In fact, I want to use the cupcake as a tool to connect the world. And I said to myself, OK, well, how can I do this? And later on in 2015, after going through a period of kind of running out of flavor ideas, I just kind of got to a baking block. I said, OK, you need to travel. You need to go global. You're doing global flavors. You've got to get out there and go global. So I came up with this theory called, um, not really a theory, but my own personal project called the Munching Mission. And initially, my mission was to go to 12 countries within 12 months to create 12 brand new flavors. And along my journey, I wanted to meet with the locals. I wanted to taste different food and drink. I wanted to learn about their history, their culture, and ultimately create a cupcake that pays homage to them. And that way, through creating a cupcake, um, combining all these elements that tells a story, then I can take that back home to the UK and hope that that would bring unity in some sort, or at least curiosity. So that was the aim of the Munchin mission. Mm -hmm. um, 
Would you like me to elaborate? Or? <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you're in a, you're you're in a good spot. So. With this, let's break this down theoretically, right? So the Munchin mission, I know that I don't know, I don't know if you shared, but at at first it was every month you were going to go to a new place, right? Right, exactly. And then create. So, a when you were when you're traveling, are what do you what are you doing for that whole month? And then where do people do do you do pop up shots with the cupcakes? Like how do people are how are people able to to buy the cupcakes? So what I was doing was I was actually I was actually not traveling for a whole month because at the time I was working full time. So I would take my annual leave and travel like for a week or, you know, a couple of days within each month. And um, I'd come back home and in the evenings after work, I'd, you know, create a new recipe and then I'd sell it. So I'd either people could contact me and then I'd deliver within London or if I was at like an event. I'd kind of be like a pop-up in that respect and then they could come and buy them there. So, you know, the whole entrepreneurship side of me is still something that I'm developing to this day, but that's what I did initially last year in terms of getting the flavors out there. Um, oh, okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. So as, as, as a model change going on to this year, like, so what's the, what's the brand new vision for 2017? Absolutely. Well, first of all, 2016, unfortunately, I didn't get to complete the 12 countries, 12 months because you know, the practical side of tra- traveling for 12, to 12 countries in 12 months is actually pretty, pretty hard if you, you know, if you haven't planned that far ahead for it. So I, I did come up with about six flavors. Mm-hmm. So that was six countries I did manage to visit if you take out the USA, which is the first country I went to. Um, and I create these brand new flavors. So I just heavily promoted them. So I said to myself for this year, I need to go back to the place that originally inspired me. So I've been here in the States. Um, and I've been, I've been collaborating with my, my mentor and my coach, who, as I mentioned earlier on is, is Danny Rivers Mitchell, founder of Black Girls Travel too. Yes, I'm plugging it. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, I've just been really trying to redirect where I want to go with this business. I think I have quite a, a uniqueness in terms of using a cupcake as a means to connect the world. And I wanted to come here as well, not only for that, but during, you know, not to go into too much politics because I I don't know much about politics, but I also felt that it was timely for me to come back to the US during this time, especially with a lot of changes that's been happening here. Mm -hmm. And I felt that if I could bring something unique to get everyone to reconnect again, whether that would be in the States itself or just from a global perspective, then, you know, by sharing what I do here, my cupcakes and the message behind that, hopefully that will cause people to have a conversation that's a little bit different to the conversations that they're having now. Yeah, no, nah, that's that's perfect. And one question before I got to make a statement. The question, do you still work full time now? No, I had to actually I, I, I actually had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um when I was traveling, as I said, I got to a point where I just, it was a lot coming back every month, going back into full-time work. And I said to myself, I can't do this anymore. And that was during the point where I just burnt out. Like I was getting sick all the time. I didn't have much time to do the things that I wanted to do because I was trying to run a business, quote unquote, and be an entrepreneur and then work full-time. So I had to leave. And um, since leaving full-time work, it's just made life so much easier. Of course, I miss the salary. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I miss the salary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the freedom that I've managed to have since le- leaving full-time work has meant that it's allowed me to look into other projects 
and spend more time on the business, which is why this year I'm going to be changing a lot of things. And I, I really hope people will, will, you know, stick around to see what I'm doing. But I'm changing up. I'm changing the game a little bit. Um, but I really, I really am going to make this year an amazing year and connect with people on a on a bigger scale. So I, I can't say too much at this moment, but there's something good that's coming. That's definitely what I can say. Mm, I love that. I love that. I think one big big takeaway, because I always try, and I, I don't know if I do the best job verbalizing it through the interviews, but if, it, at the end of the day, each interview, there's always a, a something that I see is like, wow, that's deep. And I think for the takeaway from my guy from that portion of the story is, there's value in not reaching your goals all the way. And because when you said that your goal was 12, 12 countries and you got six, even though you didn't reach the, goal, the original goal of 12 countries, that six is a huge, huge accomplishment. Accomplishment. It's also set a, a good foundation and kind of like a bar of this year and kind of how, how far you can stretch yourself and how far you can reach. And I think sometimes... Uh, the chatterbox within our head. If we put the, if we put out this crazy goal and we don't reach it all a hundred percent, then it's like, and sometimes in our head, we're like, oh man, we fail. I'm a failure, or I didn't get it, or we kind of become this. Young. We'll say, shoot, let's 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 acknowledge the journey that we did get on instead of because it would have been different if you never would have put that goal out there, and I'm then so- you would have got six. It would have been like it's cool, but you put it out there, you 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 broadcasted and you got six. I think there's some power in that, don't you think so as well? Absolutely. I think um, one thing I learned a lot from 2016 was about failing forward. And I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of your listeners um, have heard about failing forward. And I, I believe that before I was so scared to fail. And now I'm just like, you know what, if I fail, it's the best thing I could do. Because it just teaches me that, okay, choose a different route. Or at least now I can learn from this and do something better. So I'm, I'm really now not so afraid of of failing because a lot of the the limits and the failures that we we quote unquote have about ourselves or what we've done is is stuff that we've said not necessarily what someone else has said mm. or perspective so I, I i feel that in that respect we shouldn't we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves if we quote unquote fail and in, in fact embrace it because if we didn't fail then we wouldn't know that we needed to do something different and one thing I really like about last year and with some of the failures that I incurred was that I thought I was doing pretty well. You know, I thought that, you know, when you do something the same way all the time, you get the same results and you think that's great. Mm -hmm. And when something fails, you didn't even know that you could do better. Mm -hmm. So failing now I can do things much better. And I would have thought that my it was it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm I'm really happy that I failed forward in that sense because now I'm just coming back stronger. Yeah, nah, I love that. I love that. And I, I can say to a personal example, that's kind of, even with the podcast, I've, I've, I've had this angst in my spirit the last month, month and a half or so, because 2016 was a banner year for the podcast, reached over 100,000 downloads. We were doing well. But my whole, I look, I was looked, I looked back to my Instagram, because my Instagram usually tells my story of kind of my year. And I was like, it was a great year. I looked at the videos, looked at the engagement online. I looked at, like, I always keep a praise file of people when they send something positive, encouraging. I looked at it. I was like, man, that's great stuff. But I felt that 2016, I didn't leave it all out there. I kind of was, I didn't, I didn't have any big failures because I worked on what was working, which is great. And not to tell, not to say anybody that's doing something that's working right now to quit it and jump it off. It's just my experience. This is my time to share a story. But 
2017, I said, man, I, I, I really want to fail bigger, especially I'm 27 right now. I want to make these every single year before 30 count. That doesn't mean that I'm just going to cash out my 401k and do something crazy. That doesn't mean that. However, that means I want to take bigger risks with certain things that I'm planning, put it out there. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Nothing is going to crazily change or, or tear down my brand. However, that I, I just, I just want to fail big so I can see what I can do. Cause like you said, I, I, and I never thought about it that way as far as failure. Failing allows you to see some of the other possibility. Cause if you don't fail, then you like your, your maximum, you think that's, that's the ceiling. And when it's like, hold up. You still got more room. And as I, and I don't know if, if you know, but I'm a teacher. I teach business as well. I've, I've been teaching high school for the last eight months or six months. I teach business class. And what I realize a lot of students, I teach Excel class. If you're listening right now, Excel is one of the most boring classes to teach. It's hard to be exciting Excel in 90 minutes. Imagine, Miss uh, Jessica, I'm sitting down and learning Excel for 90 minutes a day for a whole semester. <laughs> And I think I'm a pretty cool teacher. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get excited with it. I'm a motivational speaker. I get paid big bucks to come motivate. In 90 minutes of Excel, I'm looking like, dang, by the end of the class, it just, it's, ah. But it kills me that when they're trying to learn a new skill, when it's, when and a lot of students, and I think it's kind of like a fixed mindset, when a student fails or doesn't know anything, a lot of times they just give up or they stop doing it. Like, I don't know. And they stop. They're not Googling the answers. They're not asking friends. They stop and they, and they'll go to their phones. I'm like, like, I, I, why are you stopping? Why are you stopping? Like, you didn't even try it. You didn't even fail. But we, and unfortunately, in the, in the United States educational systems and in certain classrooms and certain in certain demographics, we've encouraged this thing of, hey, if you can't, if you don't believe that you can succeed at it, rather than trying and getting exposed and, and having to see what areas you need to do better in, you might as well not try. Because right. this is what it does. And I, re- I read about it. And, I, and I've seen it before and I've done it in my own life. It gives you an excuse to why you're not reaching your full potential. So it's like, okay, cool. I can have an excuse. I, I ain't try. I ain't try on it. Because you don't want to get exposed. So instead of, well, if you have a growth mindset, you want to try on certain things. Like you said, put the 12 out there. Try. So like you said, you can figure out what steps need to be made to reach your goals. Because if you don't try, then you'll never be able to self-assess and see where you're going. And honestly, you're fooling yourself. And this is a big lie to yourselves if you're not. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. So if you had to tell yourself, because now I, I see you started this journey in 2014 to 2017 now, what would you tell yourself, knowing what you know now, back then, when you first started? So what would I tell myself, as in like um, lessons? Yeah, like lessons or a story or just anything plain. Like, so say if you enter the room right now, I don't know where you are in your house or where you're at, but you to open the, the, the door next door and you had yourself, you saw yourself sitting down and you had opportunity to talk to yourself, but you were, that was like three years ago. What would you say? I would say it's okay not to sleep all the time <laughs> <laughs> because I've, I've missed a lot of sleep, especially in 2016. I've, I've had more all nicers than I've had in in the whole of my life. Were you, were you baking? I, like, what were you doing all night? Like, you absolutely because you know, as I said, I was working full time, oh. then traveling, and then having to find time to bake so I could go and sell my cupcakes. So there were days where I just literally was rolling over. So I would come home from work, be up baking, um, do something to do with my business. Next day, make a delivery before I have to go to work. Um, and even when there were times when I wasn't working full time and I just had 
you know, to do a delivery halfway across London with no car and have to carry these cupcakes and hope that no one bounces me on the train when I, you know, didn't have whatever enough to get a taxi. So there were times where it was really difficult and I, I just had to make it work. So, you know, giving up sleep, it's, it's, it's okay. You don't have to sleep all the time, you know, because at the end of the day, whatever it is that you have, it needs to get done. And sometimes if you're sleeping, that time that you're sleeping could be utilized to, you know, work on whatever it is that you need to get done. So that's one thing I would say to myself. I think the, another thing I would definitely say is embrace failure. I was so afraid of failing in the beginning that I limited myself in what I could do. I didn't give my full potential because I thought if I give my full potential and I fail, I'm going to fail publicly and people can see this. And now I realize that it actually doesn't matter if I fail publicly. It just doesn't matter if I fail at all. Fail quickly, fail fast and fail forward. So I definitely say that. Mm, I love that. Fail quickly, fail fast, fail forward. The three F's. Boom. That's a that's a that's a that's a speech right there. So 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 so. Let's talk about the taste of the cupcakes, though, because I think I don't want to over over overlook that. So what what distinguishes your your cupcake from another bakery or a Walmart or something like that? Like what makes your cupcake so special? Because I'm always looking like, yo, how in the world is somebody going to charge five dollars for one cupcake? So right. from now, from a person that is in the next new wave of culturally inspired, uniting cupcakes, what is in the mix? What's the difference? I think what makes my cupcakes so unique, and not just because they're mine, is the fact that I get legit, authentic ingredients. So for example, if I wanted to have, uh, I have so many flavors, but I'll give you the example of my Romanian cupcake, because I was in Romania, which was stop six of my mission. And what I do is when I was in the country, I would bring back certain ingredients that the locals would say that is what makes something Romanian. So it would be, for example, um, in Romania, they have dolciatze, which is like a, it's in between a jam and a syrup. And it's super amazing. And one of their popular flavors is affine, which is the Romanian word for blueberry. So I made sure I brought back that jam. And then what I do is where possible, I try to source them directly from that country. So whether that would be finding a Romanian market or a Romanian supermarket, or even frankly trying to get them online, I get legit flavors so that if a Romanian person bites into my cupcake, they can close their eyes and they can say, that reminds me of home. And I think that having that next level of authenticity really connects people. And for people who don't know anything about Romania, have never tasted um, a Romanian dish or, or, or ingredient, now they can, they can say, okay, I've had something that's really authentic. And that, that, again, starts a conversation because who is this person that knows about my flavors that remind me of something from back home? Who is this person that has a submission to share my culture with the world? So it really is a deeper, it's deeper than just me putting, you know, anything together and, and calling it you know, something from another culture. I have these authentic flavors because I want that authenticity to run all the way through so that person gets that deeper connection. I, I believe that's what sets me apart. And not only that, but also the fact that I'm trying to unite the world. That's pretty cool, I think. <laughs> no, that's great. It is crazy. And you might think I'm tripping on this, but it finally dawned on me like how transformational that really can be. And I know if you're listening, it's like, yo, gee, you're, you're wilding right now. I know she's talking about cupcakes in the interview, but how can cupcakes be that deep? That it, it, But it don't. And right when you were talking, I was like, hold up. 
especially that you source the ingredients right from the place. So say I'm United States, right? And right. I ate a Romanian cupcake and I get the chance to t- have the flavors of that. It's kind of like I'm eating, I'm sitting in Romania, wherever it was created and eating it there. Exactly. But also if I ever met anybody Romanian outside of just regular conversational stuff like sports and whatnot, like, yo, you're Romanian. Okay, cool. It's crazy. You might think I'm crazy for this. And they're looking at me like, okay, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> I had a cupcake and I don't know what the flavors you just said. I can't respond. What's the oh, two flavors? I, yeah, I had um I had Dolciatze de Athene, which is like Romanian um blueberry jam. Mm-hmm. So Dolciatze is the name of the it's like same jam, basically. But if you even mentioned that name to them, they would be like, Wait, how do you first of all know something in Romanian and how did you get that? Because these are really specific things. And they're not that easy to find. So when, you know, you say that, that would ignite something in that person and you've just formed a connection. So my cupcake did that. And that's what I love that I can, it goes beyond just the cupcake. Wow. I hope to hope when you, when you say your cupcakes, do they have like the names and kind of like maybe a, a little, little sentence, a blurb on? I do. Yes, absolutely. Ooh, so if, if anyone goes on my website, for example, um, which is, I'm going to plug it right now. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> which, definitely. Yeah, plug it, plug it away. Which is, uh, thank you, Greg. Um, it's www.missmunchinscupcakes.com. And that's munchin without the S, uh, sorry, without the G. And they, there's a little blurb that explains um, the cupcake and what I've used in it. And of course, as well, if they're following me on any social media platform, I always explain the cupcakes and the flavors that I'm using, because I, I appreciate that. For many people, some of the flavors that I use, they may have never heard of or, or, you know, never seen before. And I think one thing that's also another thing that makes my cupcakes quite different is the fact that some of the ingredients you can see like visually. And I also have a, a I also have wrappers that are specific to each country. So, for example, my my Ghana cupcake, which is called the Accra, um, which was named on you know, where I got the inspiration from. I tend to name them where I was when I mm. had the inspiration. So the Accra cupcake, the actual casing is kente. So if you're from Ghana and you see kente, straight away you're going to be able to connect and say, that's something from my country. And if you're not from Ghana and you see it, it will start a conversation of, okay, that's a cupcake. I recognize that, but I don't recognize this design. And it will cause you to ask questions, ignite that curiosity, and then leave you feeling connected this is man wow this brand has a lot of like storytelling marketability type of potential and i know you're doing it well but i'm seeing right now i'm just seeing a lot of things on that but that is that is that is uh that is phenomenal if you could say two things one what do you think has worked the the best for you in your business as far as maybe a business tactic or uh something that has 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 garnered a lot of attention or has has really stood out from customers and from people observing your business and then what is one area you think that you can definitely grow in in the business i know there's probably many but what is the one key area you think you can grow in so what is one key thing that you're doing well right now you're killing and what is one key area you think you think you can grow in i think absolutely my message people love stories and people love the fact that i'm doing something positive with a cupcake you know, they, they love this notion of, oh my gosh, you've traveled. And so you're not just, you're not just saying that you've actually done it and, and I'm still doing it, but they love that, that message. And the fact that I'm trying to unite the world, I'm trying to bring everyone together where, you know, right now 
the world some in some respects is kind of almost separating and 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 you know becoming more disconnected and i'm trying to reconnect people they love that they absolutely love that so i think that's one thing that's really brilliant about my business i think what i can definitely do is get it in more people's hands so i know a lot of people are like okay but where can we try your cupcake when and that's what i'm really working on this year so i can get my cupcakes to you guys in a way that will allow you to really have that experience that i'm talking about yeah, because I, I can only imagine. It's like, I, I would love to try, but say if you're in the UK, and then I said, shoot, I want 12, shoot, with the, with the shipping and handling, because I tried to ship a, somebody, but I remember that's one of the things, somebody uh, bought a book for me in UK, and I, because I didn't, I didn't specify when I first was selling, like when I sell my books, um, exactly like international shipping. So somebody bought from UK, it's like, boom, I got my first international order. And then I went to the UPS and they was like, cost $25 a ship. And I said, dang, I lost money. I just yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. So I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know there's definitely, uh, there are probably some benchmarks or some blueprints on companies that that do do that well. So, I mean, I, I, when you make those announcements, make sure you let me know because I, I definitely would love to to taste uh, some, some like what you, what you have. Like, I mean, it sounds. Absolutely. Fun. Thank you. Nominal. So do you cater like this is this is random, but do you cater like weddings and stuff like that? Or like what's your, what's your typical demographic now or you're in 2017, you're kind of building that out? I've actually done a few weddings. I've done um and actually my weddings have been cultural weddings, which has been great. I've done an Indian, sorry, I've done a Sri Lankan and Nigerian wedding, and I've also done a Nigerian and Ghanaian wedding. So I had flavours that were specific to those countries which I actually have um and that was really great for the bride and groom to have things that reminded them of their cultures that they were now you know bridging together um I have also been at pop-up events as well so I, I I'd like to say that you know there are people that know about me and that have tasted my flavors but um that's sort of how it's been so far so pop-ups and I have done a few weddings and hopefully I'll be doing a lot more um pretty soon so fingers crossed Yes. Hopefully, you can watch his face. <laughs> heck yeah, heck yeah. So, um, before we go to the future round, I do want to ask one one real question, and I think this is something that a lot of people that are listening right now can could definitely relate to, especially for those that are are in the still in the kind of startup phase where they've started something, they have a buzz, they're building, but how do you maintain confidence? before you really like blow up and take it to the next level like what are some things that you do or maybe your coaches just advice that they've given you or stuff you read online that helps you maintain your confidence when you're still working towards where you really want to be I think one of the first things is definitely why am I doing this and there are times when I have to really call on that and remember why because I feel like everybody on this earth has a purpose everybody has um a blueprint uh, a vision and the reason for being here and I feel like for mine I'm, I'm a super sociable person like I talk to anyone even if I don't speak your language I'll find a way to communicate like mm-hmm. I'm super sociable and I love people and I always felt that there was that was something really cool and different about me like the, my ability to just really and truly connect with anybody So I felt that my purpose was to unite people and get people to know more about each other. And I was that sort of in-between catalyst. So by me doing what I'm doing now, it just makes sense. I mean, I love cupcakes. I literally love cupcakes. So it's like I get to do something that's 
fun. I get to do something that comes naturally to me. So I felt that that's my purpose. So, you know, I would be doing a disservice to myself if I don't keep going because that's why I'm here. So that's, that's the first thing. I think the second thing that keeps me going is the fact that um, early on, I felt, I felt that, sorry, bear with me. Early on, I felt that I was um, sort of going a bit slow. And I thought, like, why am I not there yet? And um, it got to a point where I just said to myself, Rome wasn't built in a day. Some of the most successful people in the world, we only know about them now, but they've been doing it for years. So it's okay that I'm three years in and I'm not where I want to be. As long as I don't, as long as I don't stop, as long as I keep moving, then I will get there because it's, it's, it's basically, you know, it's the law. Like you, you have to keep going. It's cause and effect. If I don't stop, something will happen. Something will, will not work. If I keep going, something will happen. So that's, those are the two things that really keep me going, I would say. Oh, man, 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 you really hit something. Definitely the first point and definitely the second. I don't know who you were speaking to on this second point, but somebody listening, My mentor. <laughs> you were speaking to somebody on that second point, somebody that's listening right now, because there's somebody listening right now that's two years in, three years in, four years in, five years in, and is getting disappointed there the confidence is waning and they're like man why should i should i keep going should i stop should i pivot whatever and i think that hopefully these words are confirmation to continue pushing continue pushing that doesn't mean that you may not need need to re-strategize or can maybe make some pivots or seek other advice but that doesn't mean that you should stop because like like you said there are certain individuals that do break the mold sooner than later. And we see a lot of them on the cover of magazines and they got all this stuff or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you cheat the systems, if you cheat the codes, if you cheat the steps, sooner or later the cracks will show and 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 and, and you'll you'll be where you actually where your work has put you. Even if you want to look and I, I'm reaching right now as far as with the tech industry, but I want to I, I feel like I feel inspired to take it there. You could look at some some companies maybe like a Uber and whatnot where a, amazing sense of multi-billion dollar company but now cracks are starting to show in their culture the sexism and what's going on and everything else so fresh out the cake billion dollar company but like i said if your character and a lot of things aren't aligned and you aren't building a building of strong foundation with that sooner or later you will get exposed and it's going to happen even and i forgot the, the the person's name that uh she was she was a pharmaceutical giant or she had a bit a, a business that was valued at or potentially valued at over a billion dollars that said they could speed up with the cure of drugs and whatnot. And, and, and Forbes found out that a lot of her stuff was fluff. I forgot. It, I forgot what it was. I, I, I got to remind myself. I put it in the show notes. But like I said, you can't cheat the work. And I think I thank you, Miss Jones, for saying, of course, you're three years in. You may not see the, the where you thought you were. But you can definitely look back and say you're way farther than where when you first started this idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like I said in the beginning, I was just making cupcakes um, inspired by where I had gone. But now, three years in, I'm making cupcakes to connect the world. So you can see that that's growth to me. So, <laughs> you know, I, if my advice to anyone would just be like, literally keep going because you definitely have a lot to look back on. 
Yes. And, and definitely a lot to, to see going forward. So, so yeah, I definitely say that. And also too, make sure you look at her Facebook page and her videos because I looked through a few and she has over a year's worth of videos of places that she traveled and whatnot and her, her breakdown, a lot of different things. And I'm just glad to see you have, you've, you've, you've made it your mission to share your journey visually and online because I mean I, I I read bios online about so many people that they travel about it, all this other stuff and all I see is pictures. I'm like, where the videos at? Where where your description? <laughs> I look at yours and it's you you gave me a tutorial about roasted roasted beef and uh, I forgot what country it was and I was like, yo, this is this is funny. Like this is cool, but it's real cultural. I hear the music in the background, boom, and I'm like, yo, like it really put adds more credibility to your globe trotting um message and brand when i mean you're not just talking about cupcakes you're talking about a variety of different things while you're traveling the country involved in engrossed in these experiences and um i just want to tip my hat and kudos to that like it really I, I felt like i was in romania wherever you're at with the music going <laughs> you talk you eating food i'm like dang i want to go there i should be there Thank you so much. And, you know, I, I am going to be, you'll see more later on this year and also your followers, I hope will see that you'll see more of me and you'll see a lot of the, you'll see a, a greater, you'll see a greater distinction between Miss Munchin, who is, as I said, a part of me and Rebecca, the person I am, the avid foodie. So you'll see a lot more content coming out there very, very soon uh, this year. And I can't wait to share more videos um, sneak peeks and things like that that you guys haven't seen, um, which will literally, I mean, it will make you guys laugh, but hopefully it will really inspire people as well. Mm, I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. So a smooth transition to our last round, which is the future round. And if you could share a little snippet of what can we expect this March now, April, May, June, July, August, September, at the end of 2017, you don't got to give us specifically but what do you want people that that, that, that that follow you now? And what do you what, what do you want people to say about what you have accomplished in 2017 at the end? I definitely what I can definitely say is there'll be more traveling. So that means they can expect some more amazing new flavors. And they can definitely expect to have more access to my flavors. So that's that's two things that I'm I'm really pushing hard on. And I think by the end of 2017, a lot of people are going to really understand the importance of why during the, this time we need to be more connected. And I feel that they'll feel that a lot from me, um, me as myself or me as Miss Munchin through, through both portals. They're going to definitely feel a lot more of that by the end of the year. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And long term, do you see and I know I, I, some people are big on five year plans. Some people are not. Some people are big on uh, creating a, a big vision and working on it. But if you're a big visionary person, long term, do you see like what do you see for yourself individually and then the business in general? Well, I can absolutely 100 percent say that I will have a presence in the U.S., the U.S. has always had a special place in my heart, as I've said on many occasions. So to all the U.S. listeners out there, Miss Munchin's Cupcakes will be coming to a place near you at some point in the future. So that's a definite plan of mine to have a presence here. Um, I think my another future plan is, as I said, when I started out my Munchin mission in 2016, the initial aim was to do 12 countries. And my long-term goal is literally to do the world. I believe that the world isn't that big in, in some respects, 
and that the whole world is doable. And I believe that the whole world can be reconnected. I mean, if we want to go way back, at one point we were connected. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, you took us way back, Pangea. Right. <laughs> oh, I knew that. I can't believe it. Thank you, whatever science teacher back in the day. I still got it. <laughs> So, so my whole thing is, is why not the whole world? It may take a little time to do it, but I believe I can conquer every single country and create a cupcake that will truly be a global, you know, a global way of putting everybody back together again and bringing everybody back together again. That's really my, my, if anything, my life goal. And if I can do that before I die, I'm one happy woman. Amazing, because my next question was, "How do you want to be remembered when it's all said and done?" I think you already answered that. Absolutely, I want to be the cupcake lady that brought us back together. <laughs> oh man, I love it! 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 So, 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 our last round, our most exciting round, is the culture change round. Where I ask a series of five rapid fire questions, and you return by giving me five rapid fire answers. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. What is the best piece of advice that you have never received? Fail forward. I thought you, you received that advice. I said, I said never. Ah, oh, never received. Yeah, oh. I, threw, I, threw, I, threw, I threw a little uh, ringer in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, best piece of advice never received. Um, stop eating. <laughs> what? Why is that good advice? <laughs> Pardon, sorry? I said, why is that the best piece of you, you know? Oh, because that encouraged you to eat more. Okay, gotcha. Right, gotcha, right. gotcha. I mean, you're too, you're too deep, man. Y'all London people are just too smart for me. I'm sitting here like, what? What in the world? What is she saying? Like, can I, can I, do I have to edit that out? Because what if some people yeah. have eating disorders? I mean, I was thinking all bad with that. I was like, is that right? Hold on. Thank you for bringing me back here. <laughs> what is one of the personal habits that you can attribute to your success? Communication. Great communication. Love it. What is your biggest fear? Outside of failure. To be honest, mm-hmm. gaining weight. Mm. But but I, the thing is, I gain weight all the time, though. It fluctuates. I'm still scared of it, but I love food too much to, to really, you know, <laughs> to really deal with it. But I do fear gaining weight, but I, I do gain a lot of weight. I mean, and then I, I lose it, and then I put it back on again. I know this is not a psychology podcast, and I don't want to get too deep, but what? if you mind sharing, like, why... Why is that your biggest fear? Because my cake, my face starts to resemble a cupcake. It gets really round. Mm-hmm. And um, I just feel that I lose my cuteness. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. But I mean, then, if you have a cupcake face, I mean, that's cool. You can't not like a cupcake face. I feel like I turn into a cupcake. <laughs> do it. So, yeah, that's my biggest fear. But to be honest, I, I guess I conquer it like every month or so because my weight fluctuates. <laughs> what inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? My purpose. Mm, I love that. And if you were the Prime Minister of London, what would, be, what would be the first thing you would do? Make everyone talk to each other. People in London don't talk? Um, we do, but we're always busy. And I'd, I'd like to implement everyone should talk to each other because we could solve a lot of problems if we just communicate more. Mm, mm, mm. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically the Black British culture, what would it be and why? I'd absolutely say one thing, which I think is just black people in general is support. Like I don't, since I started this entrepreneurial journey, um, I mean, now I get a lot more support from, um, my, uh, 
black brothers and sisters. I have an amazing group of, of friends called the tier one. They know who they are and they are all black and they're all extremely supportive. But one thing I've noticed just about black people in general, our community, we, for whatever reason, we lack the support. And, and that could just mean even just supporting buying black, you know, promoting black. And I feel that we could do a little bit more of that to, to show that unity, um, because that's really and truly what I'm about. I'm about global unity, of course, but it would be nice if we could really do that amongst ourselves. Um, so that, that's one thing I'd, I'd really wish that we could do more of, really support each other. I love that. I love that. I love that. So as we close up, please share with our audience where we can find you at online and keep updated on what you got going on, how you're spreading unity to the world, and hopefully how we can get worldwide access to your cupcakes. <laughs> well, you can absolutely find me across most of the social media platforms. I'm on Instagram where you can see the delicious flavors. And my Instagram tag is miss underscore munchins underscore cc. I'm also on Facebook, which is MissMunchinsCupcakes.com. I'm very active on Twitter where I tell you guys where I'm going. And that's simply at Miss underscore Munchins. Um, you can also find me by, by my website, which is MissMunchinsCupcakes.com. And you'll find there a little bit about my story and also a couple more flavors that you may or may not see uh, via my social media. Hey, man, Minority Troubles Nation, I'll make sure I have that in the show notes when this show goes out. So on the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of my heart, and from the bottom of Minority Troubles Nation's heart, thank you for giving us well over an hour of your time today to get this interview done. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast. And like we always do, like we always do it, like we always do it, I need my energy and i need my people to do two things and two things only i know what you're asking mr hill we already know what it is but i'm gonna tell you anyway change the freaking culture that's four things good night